0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome to the 330th edition of the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast. Part of the Believe Network and MikeFarrellsports.com. Uh in Nashville, Tennessee, I'm Matt Perkins. And joining me are Sluggo Ruth across the Harpeth River, here from me in the Music City, it's our own offensive coordinator, the coach Corey Burton.
1: What's up, man? Uh, yeah, just uh been kind of a crazy, uh, crazy evening and crazy weekend, but I'm looking forward to it, man. We're let's get after it.
0: Let's get after it, see if I can get after these intros correctly today. I am struggling here on a Tuesday night, uh, a man who it's hopefully not day. struggling. Uh, oh. And there you have it, folks. Um, <laughs> joining us, it's, can't get started with a third amigo in the second city, a man who would rather be at a botanical garden than a at the CFP. Uh, it's our travel blogger from Big Ten County, Josh Good.
2: I really liked your homage, Matt, of doing the intro 330 times for the 330th episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, I had a bit prepared uh, before before you kind of uh, tripped out of the gate. Uh, th- this is what I was going to do before the joke landed in my lap. It was going to be... Played a little taps for uh, college football <laughs> as we know it because... Congratulations. Wins don't matter. <laughs> with,
0: the points don't mean anything. The games don't mean no. anything. There, there's actually no reason to actually play the games. You know, you just who was put the best theoretical team together on paper mm-hmm. and can do that. So we're going to talk about the college football playoff here, obviously, um, along uh, with hopping back. Uh, another trip with the coach at Carousel. Talk to the FCS bracket, um, etc. Later on in the show, before we get into that, I want to remind the good folks tuning in all around the world that we are presented by BetOnline.ag, where they continue to be your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it, they've got over there at BetOnline.ag. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit with our promo code Believe. That's B L E A V. BetOnline, where the game starts. Uh, we're gonna start. Josh, with a very simple question. If you're listening to this, you know that the College Football Playoff Committee released their rankings. uh, And who's getting into the playoff, who's getting into all of the New York Six Bulls, etc. Final four teams, Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama. So, Josh, on a scale of one to ten, how wrong did the committee get the seedings?
2: What does the one represent? What does the ten represent? Uh,
0: Ten... 10 means they got it as wrong as they possibly could. One, mean, one means basically they got it right.
2: Okay, then give me about a 65. Okay. Oh. Um, I mean, let's – where should we start? Okay, so first of all, how about strength of record? You look at the team's wins and in Alabama's case also their loss, and it's not strength of schedule because strength of schedule doesn't really matter. Indiana had the toughest – strength of schedule, and they won three games. Liberty had the hardest strength of schedule, but they went undefeated, which is really hard to do. So their strength of record You mean they had the, worst,
0: was, you mean they're the, the easiest strength of schedule? Yeah, they had
2: the easiest strength of schedule. They went undefeated, so you adjust that because going undefeated is really hard. So mm. in strength of record, Florida State, better than Alabama. Florida State, better record than Alabama. Florida State, arguably better conference than Alabama. Head-to-head, the ACC had a better record than the SEC. Florida State is getting dinged for having a quarterback be hurt and then his backup being concussed and missing the title game. Despite that, play their third-string freshman who'd never played before. They still had a man of a defense basically make Louisville one of the better offenses in the country, life a living hell. They completely shut them down. The argument that Florida State without their quarterback is going to be a detriment is stupid. They had a month to get their backup prepared for the playoffs. They also let Liberty make the group of five representation because, as the committee chairman said, well, they just kept winning. Well, that was what Florida State did. The committee chair also said blocking SMU from being the group of five representative was not done due to the SMU quarterback injury. They said they didn't take that into account. So for Liberty and SMU, completely different set of rules than Florida State, Alabama. So contradictions, not good, not good for our sport. Their argument that they are trying to find the best teams – doesn't particularly hold water because personally you could then make the argument for a team that's won 29 out of their last 30 games, put Georgia's dogs in there because they were one hell of a team last time yeah. I checked. Yeah. So if you're going to just look for the four best teams, then probably Alabama should be in and Georgia should be in and Oh, well, LSU was the Heisman trophy candidate. <laughs> Let's put them in. I mean, you can, you can slice this idea of, the four best teams any way you want it doesn't make any sense that's not how playoffs work that's not how tournament works no one said to the Arizona Diamondbacks whoa you beat the dodgers well you're actually not as good as the dodgers so we're we're actually kicking you out of the playoffs that's not how playoffs work that's Braves not how a season that. in sport works yeah Braves definitely can stuff that. stuff happens teams lose You can only use what's on the field. And what's on the field is Florida State won a conference going undefeated, which is really, really hard to do. There's also all this whitewashing saying, oh, Alabama just beat the number one team in America Georgia. Well, a week before that, they needed a fourth down miracle to beat a shitty Auburn team. So tell me how that makes them one of the four best. How about the South Florida game? 17 to three. Anyone remember that one? Hmm. Real, real good. And how about that Arkansas team? We all love Arkansas. They made not a bowl game because they had a losing record. Alabama beat them by three. This Alabama team struggled several times this year. Florida State loses their quarterback and loses their, their quarterback Florida. again. Yeah. Beats their arch rival. In the swamp,
1: loses their quarterback, as Coach said again, and won their title game. They're 2-0 against SEC, and Jaden Daniels being the other. Yeah. So, I I, I don't – there's
2: no universe. So, what this comes down to is ESPN has a vested interest in the SEC making the playoffs. They have huge media rights. The TV ratings, Alabama beat Florida State in TV ratings. This came down to, and I'm no one's ever going to admit this, but this comes down to ESPN told the committee, these are the four teams, you figure out how to make it work. And they made up all this BS about, well, uh, you know, we're trying to get the four best. No, you're not. No, you're not. If you want the four best, why is Michigan number one? Michigan couldn't pass the ball at all against Iowa a team who was shut out in both team both times they played a ranked opponent. Michigan you are going to use was, passing stats. They're being <laughs> investigated for a cheating scandal. Go ahead. I know. Yeah, but like oh, Florida State only passed for 55 yards. Well, Michigan was given two turnovers at the 6 and 5 yard line. We have 14 free points against Iowa. I mean, if you take that out, that game is basically like 9 nothing. You know? So if you want the four best, then why are you playing the games? Because you're just randomly deciding who the four best are. The performance on the field already dictated that. Florida State is one of the four best teams. No power conference team that's undefeated has ever been shut out of this stupid-ass playoffs. And I would say I'm not going to watch, but – well, actually, I've never watched a moment of these playoffs other than a few minutes – But I was curious to see if Clemson would get the job done against Alabama. And I was really curious because my boy Corey, I wanted to see if Alabama could win a national title. You mean Georgia? (laughs) For the first time since 1980. So I watched a little bit of Georgia and I watched a little bit of Clemson. Other than that, I haven't seen a second of these games because they're pointless. (laughs) It's like, yeah, well, because
0: if you want to, I agree with you, Josh, that the argument that if you are going for the four best teams, quote unquote, like on paper, everything like that, or what we've seen, like what's our high type? Georgia is one of the four best teams in the country.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: If they played, uh, again, I, I still think that they would be a favorite against any team in the country on a new, neutral field, Alabama included. Mm-hmm. Um, because, but so, so that doesn't matter. Like it, none of it makes sense. No, none of the logic is oh. logical, it's not logic. It is so.
2: If you look, if you just look at college basketball, just as a, a slight comparison, the greatest tournament in college sports without mm-hmm. a doubt March Madness, everyone loves March Madness. When you have a random year like, say, UMass going undefeated with mm-hmm. Delonte West, and uh, oh. <clears throat> Play for the Magic. Why am I blanking on his name? Yeah, you're talking about St. Joseph. St. No, St. Joe's, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Not UMass. Yeah. St. Joe's. They went undefeated. But
0: that, that was Marcus Canby at UMass. Yeah.
2: yeah. There we go. St. St. Joe's he's... went undefeated. Phil Martelli, baby. St. Joe's yeah. went undefeated. Came from nowhere. The, the A-10, I believe. You know it. They were given a one seed. because Not going undefeated. The f- yeah. They yeah. were the going, number one overall
0: seed, I think. Going, going, yeah,
2: eight, going undefeated in a 30 game basketball season is insane.
1: Yeah.
2: Going 13 and 0 in college football is really freaking hard. Four teams did it, right? Yeah. Liberty, Florida State, Washington. Michigan, and Washington.
0: Yeah. yeah.
2: 4 out of 133. So it's not like they're randomly pulling from 25 undefeated teams. Undefeated has been the benchmark for the entire history of college football.
0: No, no, no. It's the entire history of sports, Josh. Yeah. The point <laughs> Corey, what wh- why do we play? Coach Herm.
1: We play to win the game. <laughs> we we play to win the play game. Play what play did now.
0: what 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 did what did Florida State do every single time they took the field this year? They won. They won the game. The point of the game is to win the game. They won the games against all of the teams, including the good teams, the very good teams, those same SEC teams, some very good ACC teams, some pretty crappy ACC teams, (laughs) but crappy ACC teams nonetheless. And they didn't really get, they had like a little bit of a scare against Boston college. And then when they could That one deserves an
2: asterisk though. That was the red bandana game. (laughs) That's always so, voodoo with the red bandana it, game. It's so so. What is it? It, it? It's that in the title game
0: with like you mentioned, like a true freshman who was thrust to do his first cut. Like it, it drives me nuts as if the, the coaches don't have a month to prepare for this game. And if you don't watch and see that Florida State's defense alone is incredible, Jared Verse, uh, uh, what is his name Brendan. Um, or Braden, the the nose tackle number 55. Oh, he's Fisk, uh, Braden Fisk. Dude, that kid is an absolute animal. Mm -hmm. They've got the weapons of wide receiver. Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson are as good as almost any duo in the nation. Like, you don't think... Like, you have to give them the shot bet. That's why we play. We play to win the game. They win all the games. They. And this is not a Liberty situation. This is not the 133rd, like, the easiest schedule in the country. This is a legit schedule. They, no. uh, you know, they schedule, like, the, the, the committee always says, oh, we want you to have strong out-of-conference opponents. They scheduled. they've got LSU in Florida. Who else has that on a freaking out-of-conference? Um, they, they
2: beat the odds-on Heisman Trophy winner. Like
0: it's it's and not, ridiculous
2: and not by a little bit. Beat him by more than
0: Alabama did. Like Trey Benson is like the best running back in the ACC. Like it's not like like they don't have talent. It's not like Jordan Travis is the only good player on that team.
1: They have they're but, probably the most loaded up ACC team that you can have. Yes, that team has so many
0: guys who are going to get drafted. So many guys who are going to get drafted. Um, like same uh Jaheem Bell tight end like they've got like actually a semblance of an offensive line for the first time in a while. They've got dudes on on defense. Like it's 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 so I mean it's not surprising because like the play because the committee has shown like multiple times that they will just choose to do the wrong thing. It's like yeah. it's their modus operandi is to do the wrong thing. And they did the wrong yeah. thing. Like they did the wrong thing.
2: And so, I mean, like, also, they're trying to use a crystal ball and predict things. If you look at just the lead-up to the Pac-12 title game, everyone and their brother was picking Oregon. Oregon was a 10-point favorite. Yeah, Yeah. the spread. Oregon was a 10-point favorite. The, The football power index thing over at ESPN started the game with... Oregon having like a 74% chance to win. So to say, well, we can project that Florida State without their quarterback isn't the same team and therefore doesn't work. That's not how the sport works. So they have ruined the
1: credibility of this tournament. Everyone's narrative was that Washington and Oregon were the two, basically the two best teams in the country. Yeah, I mean it's it's, because they beat up on a weak Pac-12 schedule. Yeah, and then you know, ESPN was running stuff
2: saying that well, this is a, a carryover from TCU getting blown out in the title game. So what? BCS games had terrible title games. It happens. When I think about last year, I think of the crazy upset of TCU stunning Michigan. Like, yeah. you know, stuff happens. The The Oregon shattering Florida State's <laughs> dynasty, Jameis Winston fumbling backwards. That was the semifinal game. Oregon, yeah, they lost to somebody. I don't even remember who they lost to that year. But this idea that, well, what happened in 22 impacts what we're doing in 23 – is also completely stupid. Like, I'm sorry, North Carolina went to the title game in basketball two years ago and they missed the NCAA tournament last year because results on the court matter. And I'm sure some of our listeners is like, man, why does Josh keep going to basketball? It's the best tournament in the whole thing. Why would college football not want to recreate? Something slightly similar, and it just it's it's completely asinine. Um, and then the, their whole bowl matchups are so ridiculous too. Oregon Liberty, come on, give me a break. Uh, yeah,
0: Liberty went from January six to New Year six.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish are I you, could say I, uh, that joke. <laughs> Coach, your Georgia team has to take on this Florida State team.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I mean Georgia's pretty.
2: In the disappointment bowl, yeah. I feel like Georgia's probably gonna have a fair number of people sitting out, and Florida State might come in saying, "Hey, if we if we win this one,
1: we're hanging a
2: banner, we're pulling a Central Florida, crowning ourselves."
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm just waiting for uh, I'm just waiting for Brock Glenn to get up there and say, "We're back," <laughs> reminiscent of the 2018 uh, Sugar Bowl, where Texas and Sam Ellinger yeah, I don't know what'll happen in that bowl game, but some of these matchups are terrible. Like Ole Miss, Penn State. Like I would have liked to see Ole Miss go against Ohio State instead of. Everyone Mizzou. wanted to see Iowa
2: and USC, and that didn't happen. The stop. Yeah, that's exactly what the people want to see. That's exactly
1: what <laughs> they the wanted to see. Want. If
2: Iowa could move the ball
1: against a uh, junior varsity defense, <laughs> Georgia Tech's going against Troy in the Birmingham Bowl. There we go. Josh,
0: what's your favorite bowl matchup?
1: Ooh, my favorite bowl
2: matchup. That's that's Brian Ferentz in a
1: different wardrobe.
2: (laughs) I like that since he was let go, he's just been wearing all black. He's not wearing any Iowa branded stuff, which is real fun. Uh, Matt, you asked the question. You answer it first because I got to kind of think about that one. Uh,
0: To me, it's, it's actually the Sun Bowl. Um, it's Notre Dame, Oregon State, and I think that's actually going to that could actually be a very, very good game. I don't think there's going to be a lot of guys opting out from either team. Um, the one thing I will, will be curious about is how many Oregon State guys hit the portal, um, with the team sort of like uh in flux, uncertainty in terms of the conference. Um, however, you know I, I think you get you get two teams who are physical. That could actually be like a like a good matchup, like both schematically and also in terms of just like stylistically, I think that will be a fun game to watch good defenses. Like I I will actually definitely be the, to me, that's like probably appointment television as far as a bowl season goes uh, there on Friday, the 29th.
2: Nice. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. I, uh, yeah. Mm. I'm kind of curious about that Arizona, Oklahoma game. Mm. That one's kind of.
0: Oklahoma kind of without Dylan Gabriel, who's now searching for his I third know. School. That was,
1: I was Just surprised. Like, by Mississippi State that. seems like a destination for him reuniting. Yeah, with he's, Jeff following Lebby. Jeff, he's following Jeff Levy. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, so that one kind of caught my eye. But I Wait. think the biggest one that caught my eye is Monday, December 18th, the famous toastery Bahamas Bowl. You know, Western Kentucky, Old Dominion, these are two classic teams right there, border states. They hate each other. The Monarchs of the Hilltoppers. This is about the best matchup you could possibly get for a bowl game. This is, without a doubt, the crown jewel of bowl season. Uh, We can't make it this year, unfortunately, because it's being played in Charlotte. But next year, once the stadium's remodeled and it's back in Nassau, Bahamas, uh, I can't wait to watch this. And hopefully Famous Toastery sends us there because I've always said if I'm going to toast something – I'm going to do it with Famous Toastery. And one last time, that is the Famous Toastery Bahamas Bowl, the official, unofficial, beloved bowl game of the Illegal Motion podcast. Feel free to send us to the Bahamas
1: at any point you want, Famous Toastery. I'll watch some Western Kentucky versus Old Dominion.
0: I I mean, who wouldn't? Who who doesn't? I mean, Western Kentucky, they've got a great offense. You know, they've got a Helton brother leading that thing. You know, they're slinging the pill around. It's a fun it's a fun time for bring the kids. It's a, it's a it's a great family friendly adventure, just like you'll find in the Bahamas. Yeah. And if, it wasn't working,
2: and if it doesn't work this year because the stadium's being remodeled, a really close second point would be the easy post Hawaii Bowl. We both love, you know, all three of us love Coastal Carolina, San Jose State. We've sung their praises all year. Um, you know, I've always said that if I'm going to post something, I use Easy Post. The Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. Feel free to send us to the Hawaii Bowl anytime you want.
1: Easy Post, we will live podcast it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to uh to the Idaho Potato Bowl. Talk about culture yeah. shock. Georgia State going to the Potato Bowl.
0: I like that. I don't hate that at all, coach. Um. All right. Well, I, I think, you know, we, we've hit on the CFP pretty hard. Is there anything from the, the, the past weekend that, you know, stood out to you, Corey? I know if you want a full dogs recap, you can head on over to Believe in Dogs and, mm-hmm. uh you know, SEC After Dark. Where I'm sure you'll be talking about it ad nauseum. But I don't know if there's anything you want to add from the SEC title game Um and or Josh, if there's anything from the other title games over the weekend that took place that really caught your
1: eye. Well, Matt. I'm going to say from the, you know, I'll, like I said, I'll give you the full breakdown on Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast uh, with with Israel Troop. We'll kind of get into why all of this happened, but I was disappointed in the play calling from Georgia on both sides of the ball. Uh, don't know why we were aggressive all year long and then all of a sudden go ultra conservative against Alabama. Uh, do that every time we play them. Not sure why we're so scared of Alabama uh, play calling wise. Players played hard, so players weren't scared of We didn't play scared. We coached scared, trying, trying not to make mistakes. Didn't let Carson Beck throw the ball around like he normally does uh, to get in a rhythm. Was beat up a little bit. I get it. But you have guys. We've played without Brock Bowers. We've played without Ladd McConkey for a lot of the year. So I don't see why this would be any different. Defensively, we didn't put any pressure on Milrow when we did. Matt, you were sitting there right there with me when we put pressure on Milrow. He had errant passes. Mm-hmm. When we rushed three, he could sit back there all day and then find Isaiah Bond. Yep. And um, it just it just killed us. And we got and we got mauled up front, especially especially the defensive line. The defensive line just got just got destroyed. There's no there's yeah. no ifs, hands, or buts about it. Just got absolutely annihilated.
0: To me, it was like the dogs had prepared Carson back all year to be the guy in the game. And then just completely flip the script and decide, no, we're just going to be like a run-first team, like all the time. And it just – it it was baffling. It was it, – we've heard run the damn ball, bubbo so many times. <laughs> but this was actually the time that, like, he actually throw should ball, not have listened because it should have been throw the ball because – You know, they had some, I don't know if they're advantageous matchups. Alabama has as good a secondary as anyone in the country. But still, like, they, Carson Beck has proven that he's good enough. He can make the throws. So, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be, it's going to be, I don't don't, don't know. It was, I'm sad I don't get to see Georgia try to get the rematch because I feel like they deserve the rematch. It's not just because, Corey, you're one of my closest friends. But, like, I really feel like Georgia deserves Like sort of the chance to like claw their way back and see if they can win a third straight national title because I genuinely still believe that they are one of the three best teams, if not the best team in
1: college football. Four is such a stupid number. (laughs) I I, it's such a stupid number. Well, it's helped destroy
2: conferences because uh, if you couldn't get in, (laughs) you're not really a conference anymore. The ACC uh, ticket time bomb now.
1: Yeah, ACC's next.
0: The most hard about it is that they could have actually expanded to six for this season uh, instead of just jumping straight to twelve, and the ACC voted against it.
1: Hmm. Well,
0: and
2: there you have it, folks. Still doesn't uh, absolve them of their sins. Uh, yeah. For me, um, that that Washington game just it was so impressive seeing the Huskies just wear the Ducks down, and and in that second half. They would hand the ball to Dylan Johnson and it seemed like he was seven yards before he got touched. Um, well, the he was way they started
1: helped too. I mean, the way they started yeah. was the exact same way. I mean, they just freaking leaned yeah. on him and yeah. it was they were doomed.
2: Yeah, that that was incredibly impressive. I um I'm not sure why Oregon was 10-point favorites. I was like, yeah, they're playing better, but you know, it's not like Washington is a slouch. So I was a little surprised by that spread. I was very happy for Washington um, in that game. And then another takeaway. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Oklahoma State. Uh, it's rare for a team to get shut out and not be the worst team of the weekend. Uh, you were down 35-14 at halftime. Uh, you let Quinn go 11 for 11 with three touchdowns. To start the first quarter. Uh, Oklahoma State wins the just happy to be a part of it award. They were awful. Um, Texas knew they needed some style points. They got them. And then SMU, first conference title since before the death penalty. First title in my lifetime. I think their previous title is 1984. So hats off to the ponies. Um, The boosters down there have to be very happy that with nil, poty Access is back on the menu, and it's legal. And watch SMU uh, have the son of Eric Dickerson and Adam. They, they don't want. The, they don't want the son of Craig James. <laughs> we don't want. No, they definitely that.
0: don't. They definitely <laughs> no.
2: don't.
0: That's just um, that, that
2: that's just more problems than it's worth. Uh, but yeah, congrats to SMU. As much as we love Tulane, um, you know we're going to be talking about the carousel hitter in a moment. Um, maybe with the Willie Fritz stuff, maybe that explains why Tulane didn't quite have their a game uh, for that one. And then finally my Hawkeyes, uh, the game almost played out the way I thought I was hoping it was going to end 24 to three. Look, I was defense through a gem. Phil Parker, <laughs> you talk about like Michigan's touchdown drives were five yards and six yards. <laughs> like, you um, you know, then they got one late, but um, he, he had an absolute gem. I would say that I watched it, but I didn't. I was at a family event. Um, it was my mom's birthday. We had more important stuff to do. Uh, but I was keeping abreast of the box score. And, uh, you know, when, when you still have Brian Ferris on the sidelines, you don't really need to watch the games because, you know, Iowa is, uh, well, you know, we got shut out against both ranked teams we played this year.
0: Yeah, if you uh, saw a lot of people, t- you could bet uh, <laughs> Iowa under a half a point for each half, <laughs> and a lot of people were parlay- parlaying that together for the big money. So yeah. um, I like
2: I like that we are one of the nation's largest uh, college football podcasts, at least in my mind. And so far, I've admitted to not watching the playoffs, not not watching the Iowa <laughs> game. <laughs> It was busy all day Saturday with my mom's birthday, so I watched very little football on Saturday. But I watched a lot of the Washington games, so I will I will take credit for uh, holding things down on Friday.
0: Well, Coach and I were watching uh, the SEC title game eating buffalo chicken dip. So well, despite the loss, right. our our stomachs were still very happy.
2: Yes yes or no before we move on, anyone care at all about Army-Navy this year? Because for me, it's a big thumbs no.
1: No. (laughs) Sorry, guys. (laughs) Strike three.
2: (laughs) Um, And based on the illegal motion, the reverse, Jakes, it's going to be the best game of the football season. Yes, it is.
0: Uh, Thank you for your service. Um, But uh, for now, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk a little bit more coaching carousel. All right. All right. Let's hop back on the coaching carousel, kind of pick up where we left off last week. Josh, you know, we had a couple jobs that have been filled since we last talked. And I think one of the biggest question marks to me, at least, was what was going what was Oregon State going to do after losing Jonathan Smith? Homegrown guy, you know, alumnus, you know, the the prodigal son had returned, and because of their conference situation, uh, the lack of a Pac-12 is not helpful. Well, I guess it still it still exists legally, Josh. Pac-12, <laughs> it does. Um, but you have to do a little bit of math to get it to the actual number of constituent members they promoted from within, taking their defensive coordinator Trent Bray and promoting him. Josh, I, I the, frankly. I don't really think you can get a good outside hire here because there's so much uncertainty surrounding the program. Bray seems like a natural cultural fit. But the truth is, like, we have no idea because there's so much instability with them and obviously Washington State moving forward Mm -hmm. as the Pac-12 has basically dissolved but, you know, he seems like a solid guy, young guy uh, around the, the culture of the program. I think it's going to be a solid hire for them, uh, if, if nothing else, someone who clearly has demonstrated a, a passion for the school.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's rare, I guess, to have two prodigal sons, right? But uh, Bray is also a former Beaver player. Defense was awesome under his uh, tutelage. So I, I definitely think it's an encouraging hire. Obviously, when you have a career record of zero and zero, uh, you are, of course, taking a chance. But hey, you know what? We've seen proven coaches flounder. We've seen coaches with uninspiring records be home runs. We've seen coaches with a zero and zero record like Ryan Day uh, go about 60 and one and be on the hot seat. So, you know, the the career record thing, maybe we're reading too much into it. I'm excited for Oregon State. Um, Trent Bray came out. And early on basically said, like, I don't know why Jonathan Smith left this place. And, you know, I, I think he's at least soothing a lot of ruffled feathers up there in the Pacific Northwest.
0: Yeah. Uh, like you said, it's it's just, you know, back you don't really get back to back prodigal sons, So good for them. And, you know, uh, excited to see sort of where they go. I still am. I don't know. I there's still part of me Josh that wishes the the Big 10 had also just gobbled up, gobbled up Stanford, Cal, Oregon State and Washington State as well. And Ben basically just like acquired the old Pac-8. Um you can jettison the Arizona schools, you can Colorado and uh Utah you can do without. But I feel like have they captured those like the real traditional rivals, like old school Pac-8 Big 10. I feel like that would have been better as a whole for the sport. And I don't think if, if that had happened, I don't think Jonathan Smith is leaving. No, probably not. No, definitely not. So um let's stick with uh or, or go a couple shades of orange darker. Uh <laughs> uh darker here. Well, dark, I don't know. It's just, they're just they're different shades of orange. Syracuse <laughs> the orange got rid of Dino Babers, uh, hired Fran Brown and Fran Brown, defensive backs coach, uh, you know, formerly of Georgia, is an interesting choice. He is super renowned for his recruiting prowess. He was a two-horse... Yeah, 247 Sports' is Recruiter of the Year 2022, I think it was. Maybe it was 2021. Either way, that's awesome. But I think it's one thing to be a great recruiter at the University of Georgia. It's a completely different thing to be a great recruiter and an effective head coach in Syracuse, New York. I I don't know about this one, man. I mean, he's got ties to the Northeast and Jersey, but are you going to get, you know, especially in the age of NIL where Syracuse just doesn't have – uh, you know, nearly the advantage in terms of either you know money, uh, notoriety, conference at this point. I think that is one of the tougher Power Five jobs in the nation. How do you think the Orange did here?
2: Yeah, I mean, look, re- that recruiting in Syracuse is is definitely one of the toughest Power Five schools to recruit to. So, um, made sense that they went with a recruit first type head coach. Um, I'm still a little surprised by it. Like I said last time, this is a dome stadium. Go air raid, do something unique. You're always going to have great weather for home games. Uh, So to get a defensive back coach was maybe a little bit surprising, but you know what, if, if he can get the recruiting going, you know, it's Syracuse. It's not like they're going to be number one or two in the ACC, but if he can get them routinely, you know, six, seven range, uh, which is doable, Um, Surround him with some really good coordinators. Um, I could see it working out as a good hire. Um, I just might've found an equally good recruiter from the offensive side of the ball. But you know what, when you're Syracuse, beggars can't be choosers.
0: That is absolutely true. Um, A a team that you could come close to saying, you know, beggars at times, Indiana, you know, being in the big 10 gives them a hand up, but uh, they ended up hiring Kurt Signetti, uh, who is the James Madison head coach, who has been nothing short of astounding for the Dukes. Uh, he's got a long career uh, in coaching. He's he's I don't want to say he's sneaky old because but he's 62. And so he you know, he's now a, a very veteran head coach, but he is one you know, uh, pretty much everywhere he's gone, whether it was uh, what uh, Indiana Purdue or Indiana University, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Elon, James Madison, you name it. I mean, he's 119 and 35 in his career. We saw what James Madison was this year, one of the best stories in the nation now are getting that well-deserved uh, bowl appearance because not enough teams qualified, which is also why Sarah, why sorry, why Minnesota gets to go to a bowl boo for that enough guys graduated <laughs> shoot like it's hard to graduate from minnesota um but i think this is in uh i, I kid i kid minnesota is, is a fine institution um but i don't know i i think this is one of the best coaching hires so far josh i i absolutely love this for the hooters
2: yeah i mean it, it's it, i don't know if body language first introductory uh discussions you know we should read much into that but uh, man he he's been saying all the right things he's been sh- throwing shade at the other big Ted teams he he said uh we're well we're gonna be in the title game next year the big Ted so a- at the very least he is you know saying the right things I remember um you know Indiana coaches of the past w- would say things like oh we're, we're on a drive for 13. like just to get to a bowl game I mean you shoot for the the stars and you miss you still have a pretty good shot and you know he's bringing excitement back to Hoosier football. Um, you know there hasn't been excitement since the COVID season with nine, Indiana, um, and before that, uh, uh, I guess when Billy Lynch got them to a, a bowl game after the unfortunate passing of Coach Epp. Uh, you know this is this is a struggling program. This is one of the the uh, weirdest jobs because when you look at the history of Indiana football, it's not bottoming out going one and eleven. And being like a special brand of bad, it is like sustained mediocrity of, hey, we won four games. We went four and eight, two and six of the conference. It's like not good enough to be specially bad, not good enough to get over the hump. Uh, so he's bringing some real excitement to it. And, um, you know, I, I've been on the record. Anyone who's listened to the show knows I absolutely love Bloomington. That's one of my favorite road trips in the Big Ten. Uh, would not mind seeing the Hoosiers uh, enjoy some success down there.
0: Uh, not at all. And so I think that is a good story, a good hire. And like I said, one of my favorites of uh, the season so far. What do you think James Madison does quickly, Josh, uh, to yeah. follow up? Because, I mean, he's you know the greatest coach in their program's history. And, you know, do they promote from within? This is an interesting job because they are – no matter what, going to become uh can play in the postseason if they reach that six-win threshold. <laughs> starting next year, yeah. they've proven to be one of the best in their own conference. So, uh, how attractive is this job? And you know, do you think they go from within, or where do you think they're going to go for their next coach?
2: Well, within the Sun Belt, it's uh, very attractive. They're one of the bigger athletic budgets in the Sun Belt. Um, you know, fertile recruiting grounds down there, you know, the Maryland Eastern shore, you know, Maryland, Virginia, North Carolina, those States, um, combined are a pretty decent hotbed and you're really not going up against the greatest. I mean, you're, you're going up against North Carolina, Virginia, Virginia tech, it's a recruiting battles. You know, it's not like you're, you're a good team stuck in the middle of Texas. So, um, it's definitely an attractive job, rabid fan base. You saw it on Game Day. Well, I didn't because I don't watch Game Day anymore, but presumably there was a rabid fan base. Um, in terms of where they go, I think if you look at Signetti, how he got hired, you know, Mike Houston jumped to East Carolina. They bring him in from Elon. And um, you know, small sample size at Elon, uh 14 and nine. But before that, really good at IUP, like you mentioned. Um, I think James Madison is not necessarily married to promoting from within. Uh, if you base it on their Mike Houston leaving and bringing in Kurt Cignetti, um I think they're going to do the right thing. They they know that they have the type of, of athletic budget to reach down, get a really good coach from the FCS ranks. Um, I, I'm You know, that list is long on who it could be. I mean, there's so many good FCS teams now. We're going to be talking about the playoffs in a moment. Um, You know, maybe they maybe they reach out a few states away. Villanova has one heck of a football coach, too. So I think it's harder to pick like, oh, this is the short list for James Madison, because I think they're going to do a very thorough coaching search and get the right person for their program. You mentioned
0: Villanova, uh, Mike. That's Mike Ferranti, uh, yeah. the Villanova coach, and he likes he's the same age as Cignetti. He's sixty two as yeah. well, and so I don't know. I, I don't know. Age, you, age and wisdom, baby. That's true. I mean, it, it's definitely worth a call. Kirk Ferris if, is in his sixties, and things are going just right. Just right. Um. <laughs> It did not go just right for Dana Holgerson in Houston. Uh, they jettisoned him and got one of uh, I'd say an illegal motion favorite, Willie Fritz, uh, w- one of our favorite coaches. Ryan, you want to talk about wisdom, baby? He's got wisdom t- <laughs> two thirty seven and one twenty one in his career. I mean, for Houston, they knocked this out of the park. I thought Willie Fritz would have opportunities at bigger jobs. Personally, I'm a little bit surprised. Uh, I I could have seen him succeeding at let's say a Duke, and uh, w- which I personally think is a bigger job than Houston. But maybe with sort of the new with the 12-team playoff and the Big 12, the definitely the most winnable, the most wide open of the quote-unquote power conferences coming up. You know, maybe Houston does have a shot to, you know go after and get after it with, with a veteran coach in a talent rich area. So, you know, maybe that's how he sees it, but you know, I, I guess I'm just predisposed to not like love Houston for some reason. <laughs> uh unless it was uh Derek King, you know, the Houston version yeah. of him, not the Miami version of him. I'm rambling though, but basically I want to say like <laughs> great great hire for Houston, but I don't I just didn't really see Willie Fritz going here.
2: Yeah, I mean you look at Quality of life, big step down, you're leaving one of America's greatest cities in New Orleans to the 12th best city in Texas. Josh, we just lost a lot of listeners around
0: the woodlands.
2: Well, if I knew what that was, I would care. It's a gigantic
0: suburb of Houston. Cool. (laughs) Wisconsin's uh, incoming quarterback is from there. This is, this is the only reason I, I am familiar wow. with the Woodlands. So, um, wow. no, but Josh, like for real, what do you think of uh, Houston, Fritz and that marriage?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's it's a great hire. You know, Houston is not that far from where Willie Fritz has, has uh, had such success. You know, Houston's on the Gulf side. So he's probably already made plenty of contact within that region for, for getting talent um, I am curious how patient they will be because, you know, Willie Fritz turned to Tulane around slowly but surely, and we saw it all happening, but it wasn't like first year made a bull game, second year won the American. He's been there for a minute. And with just how hungry Houston is to make hay in the Big 12, I'm curious if he starts five and seven, five and seven, if his seat gets red hot. Um, You know, this is a team that when they fired Major Applewhite famously said, you know, we're not a school where you can go eight and four at. You know, they have aspirations. And having a program developer kind of grind it guy as your head coach, sometimes that isn't the greatest marriage. I hope for Houston's sake they're nice and patient, and I also hope for Willie Fritz's sake because I do like him and I like his coaching style and I like his schematics. I hope he gets the time that he needs to really install his system and, and make this a fun team to watch.
0: So the job that he leaves at Tulane, how good of a job is that right now? I, you know, I think for the past couple of years, he made it one of the best group of five jobs. But sort of yeah. in a vacuum, when you take when you take the coach out of it, you know, I, I personally think it's a top 20 percent job. You know, you know, you know, yeah. that upper quintile job, if you will, in the group of five. But I'm also biased because I love the city of New Orleans and have yeah. family that went to Tulane. So, like, I, I need someone who's got a little bit more perspective than I do.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you think about the American jobs, it's got to be, if not the best in the top two, three, you know, maybe you can make an argument. Memphis is up there. I I would argue Memphis Um, personally. I mean, um, and the other thing is with it being a private school, we don't exactly know how much Willie Fritz was paid because private schools don't have to, to list their stuff. But. Sometimes also a private school might have deeper pockets than we realize, you know, like uh, Coach K was not uh, scrounging, you know, checking the the sofa cushions for money in his career at Duke. So, you know, if Tulane wants to, they've got a great foundation, great stadium, great city, really improved the recruiting under Willie Fritz. Um, They have a track record. I mean, Sean King, they went undefeated back in '98. This is a, a program with some history. We've got what more SEC titles than like Kentucky or whatever. <laughs> so you know, th- this is a program that I think if they if they put up the money, you know, money talks. They should be able to get a, a really, really, really good coach. Well, I'm, I would be I would be stunned if this is like <clears throat> what happened to Tulane when um, you know Bowden left and uh, and. Donahue went to UCLA and stuff. Like I think this is a a team that'll stay pretty far up there in the American. I would imagine so. Um, You know, another top group of
0: five team over the past, I mean, two decades plus has been Boise state. They took the interim title off of Spencer Danielson, their defensive coordinator, who was the interim head coach since they fired Andy Avalos. I mean, this just really seems like it was an Andy Avalos problem. Like, and, that's that like get rid of that one person and nothing else is really changing around there, which is a pretty, a a pretty uh, damning indictment of Avalos to say the least.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, you saw, you know, one of their best wide receivers basically said, I'm hitting the transfer portal because of Avalos. Um, Avalos fired a, I want to say it was like, uh, like a, athletic department figure I don't think they were a coach per se but they were tied with the football program um the AD quickly rehired that guy and fired Avalos the same day um the wide receiver then I believe withdrew his name from the portal at the very least whether he you know is a home run high or not at the very least Spencer Danielson kept that locker room intact kept the recruiting class probably mostly intact on uh, the uh, they, they were-
0: did they did have one I will say Josh you mentioned recruiting class sorry to cut you off <laughs> their biggest recruit like ever a guy named Gatlin bear um, from the state of Idaho like four star like huge huge talent uh, decommitted after yeah. Avalos and so that is the one thing people are keeping an eye yeah, but on. He didn't
2: he didn't sign anywhere.
0: No, he hasn't signed anywhere. And now he's just needs to be rewooed by the new staff. Well, now he's also going on Mormon mission.
2: Well, so we can hear about him in about eight years.
0: Yeah, when he resurfaces (laughs) at BYU. Yeah.
2: But yeah, I mean, the team played their butts off, and we're always worried about a Bill Stewart sample size, but this was three games versus just one emotional bowl game. Um you know, we'll we'll see how it goes. But at the very least, this saved this year saved, you know, I don't know. doesn't maybe be melodramatic, but it could have saved the program. I mean, if the whole team hits the portal because they all hate Avalos, you're done. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like Vanderbilt's going through that right now. I think their entire team's on the portal. Right.
0: Yeah. Their entire team so, is in the portal. They everybody hates Clark Lee apparently just yeah. everyone is just like screw this guy so you know I, I think I think though I mean I, I think it's a great higher we're getting Jimbo what's up with that uh, I guess that person jumped the gun so mm. uh, um well facing off against Spencer Danielson in the mountain West will be uh, my old friend Sean Lewis uh, formerly of uh, Colorado this season he, uh, he he got off of that bleep show as fast as he could, uh, and you I think know what?
2: He was fired, despite being the best.
0: He coach was demoted. He was demoted. He he lost his play calling duties, and their offensive production like dropped by like fifty like yeah. percent. And yeah, I mean, he was always using that. That was always going to be one year, no matter what, no matter how bad or how good it was. And you know what? It, it, you know you tell me two years ago that Sean Lewis is the head coach at San Diego State, going from being the head coach at Kent State, say that's a step up. It's in a better conference. Yeah. And even though he's a Midwest guy, he's from Illinois, guess what? I think I'd rather live in San Diego than <laughs> uh, any town that any Mac school is in. So uh, good for him. I, I, I'm really happy oh, for him. Uh, I, think, I, mean, I don't know. What Am, am I crapping on Muncie too much?
2: No, I was going to say uh... – Miami of Ohio and Ohio they are in some beautiful towns right there.
0: Oxford, Ohio is very pretty. Don't get me wrong.
2: But, uh, Josh, come on. Yeah. Come on. Josh. Well, San Diego is like your favorite city in America. I know. It is. It is. I love San Diego. Uh, yeah. You know, I think people will look at Lewis's overall numbers and be like, well, he was under 500. And he's only two games above 500 in the conference. But he got Kent State to a bowl game. And if you put his numbers into context, he is – one step above Akron in the Mac pecking order for the state of Ohio, while at the same time he was overlapping with Luke fickle at Cincinnati. So, you know, you rank the top dogs, you got Ohio state, Cincy, and then I would say Toledo and Miami of Ohio, neck and neck right there. Ohio um, University. Miami, yeah, Miami got the better them this year. Ohio University's up there. Well, especially
0: when he was there because they, they they were humped. That was in time when yeah. they were probably closing in on their peak.
2: Yeah. And then Bowling Green is, is in the mix. And then you have Kent State and Akron. And, you know, his numbers, records-wise, might not be impressive. His numbers offensively were really good. He's improving his recruiting rounds. You know, California produces three stars at will, right? Once UCLA and USC siphon off their five stars and four stars and, and once a few other five and four stars leave the state, you're left with scores of two and three star kids who are really, really, really good college football players. You know, this is this is a great, great. Job and the next time we get realignment, San Diego State is you know right there for the next next gig in the
0: realignment game. And you know uh, one other thing to remember: he was thirty three when he started that gig. Mm-hmm. Like he's still a very young man. So uh, I you know great hire by the Aztecs. Uh, finishing off the hirings, uh, UTEP has. Uh, Gotten Scotty Walden uh, from Austin P. That he was someone who was on the short list at MTSU, and I'm frankly a little bit surprised he didn't take that. He didn't end up getting the MTSU job, Uh, but he is, you know, a very successful coach that turned around a pretty putrid Austin P. program. And, you know, if nothing else, he's proven that he can, you know, maximize the talent that he has on the roster. So for UTEP, which is going to, you know, be especially heavily portal leaning, I would imagine these first couple of seasons, because you'll see a lot of guys, uh, you know, gone, I think from that roster, I think this is a very, very good hire overall uh, for the miners.
2: Well, I think it's an incredibly good hire. I, like I said, I'm surprised middle Tennessee state didn't get him right away, but um, you know what? Maybe a little bit of a homecoming for old, old Scotty. He's from Claiborne. I think I'd say that right. Claiborne, Texas, C-L-E-B-U-R-N-E, Texas. No, it's not that close to UTEP, but he is a Texas native um, outside of, you know, he went to Southern Miss to coach. He went to Austin P to be a head coach. Um, but you look at his um, you know playing career his early coaching career a lot of it in texas um so you know maybe that was maybe that was a big calling card for him but yeah i think this is a a great hire i was thinking utep was gonna do like uh you know one of those dreaded retread hires where it's like oh hey carl Durrell, i remember him yeah <laughs> Uh,
0: <laughs> I'm trying to think who the most random retread would be. Um, but I'm, I'm blanking. So Carl Durrell is actually a pretty good one there for Josh. Um, no news yeah. yet on Duke MTSU and Louisiana Monroe. Uh, we're sort of, you know, wait and see mode, I guess with those ones. um, so I think that we, we didn't talk about specific guys for Tulane. What, uh, two names that I have heard uh, mentioned with that job. Florida State's offensive coordinator, Alex Atkins, uh, Louisiana Pretty native. And he, uh, he he has ties to Tulane. And John Sumrall, who is the head coach at Troy, uh, who are your Sunbelt champions from this year. Yeah. And he has moves. a lot of ties to uh, New Orleans um, and Louisiana in general. So those are the sort of the two guys that yeah. I would be on the lookout for moving forward. I thought, um,
2: I thought Louisiana Monroe made a
0: hire. And that may have slipped. That may have slipped my mind.
2: Um, I, but now I googled it. I'm, I'm not. I, I was. It. Yeah. I I keep seeing Bryant Vincent, but I guess no final deal. Has been put in place. So uh, we'll, we'll hold off on it then. I guess there's a lot of smoke, but no fire, no contract, no sizzle. If it hasn't been signed on the dotted line, we're not going to. Yeah, there's uh, no,
0: there, there yeah, is no. I When I looked this morning, there was no, no.
2: contract, no n- nothing. So unless yeah. things have changed, Interesting. In i I wonder, wonder what's holding it up. I wonder if he potentially used ULM to try and get a raise. Maybe. Maybe. That's, you know, not the worst idea
0: if you are an agent uh, these days. Okay. Um, Josh, uh, let's now talk a little bit of FCS, uh, which – Love it. uh, Because, you know, we like to show love not just to, you know, what everyone else is talking about in the the bad version of the college football playoff. The the one version that has four teams and is a complete joke. We're here for the real true college football playoff that – and our pick,
2: time. our picks have been so bad that we waited till the third round.
0: Yeah, well, our picks have. <laughs> no, been we terrible. were just busy
2: with other stuff. We were keeping an eye on it. We,
0: you know. Uh, so, uh, quick refresher: uh, South Dakota State Jackrabbits come in as a very strong favorite. I would say, Josh, in this overall, uh, you know, in, in this football season, and took no mercy on Mercer. Wow, no forty-one nothing. Forty-one, nothing for them to start their playoff. That was a beatdown. Uh, they will match up this weekend with Villanova, uh, who took care of Youngstown State. Uh, wasn't the easiest uh, game for them. Forty-five to twenty-eight victory, but uh, Nova, uh, as always, um, just a really, really balanced offense. Uh, Two hundred seventy-five yards. Uh, through the air 191 yards on the ground five touchdowns on the ground um and i think that's going to be interesting but i i just don't see a way that south dakota state isn't reaching the championship game in uh you know in in the fcs at this point um but i'm going to skip around a little bit because there was one game this past week and that was absolutely bananas and that was montana state north dakota state um (laughs) this was won by a walk off extra point uh p-a-t block um pretty standard stuff pretty standard stuff uh in overtime no not in overtime in in regulation so uh yeah you don't see that every day there was a great picture of the kid who blocked it um he had the laces of the football were like in his like had been like hit his arm so hard they were like still red and they got a picture of it, it <laughs> was absolutely incredible What's it up to you from uh Sort of our second weekend of the
2: FCF's playoffs. Ooh, man, there was a lot to really like. Um I was I was kind of intrigued with Idaho's win. Um How so? so so Idaho comes in as the four seed, and they they kind of had a pretty pesky matchup because they had to take on Southern Illinois, who's from the Missouri Valley. So you get that classic matchup of a mid-level Missouri Valley team versus an upper-level team from a not-quite-as-good conference. And um, Idaho won a just gnarly defensive game, 20-17. to This is a week after Southern Illinois absolutely obliterated Nichols State, 35-0. I thought the Salukis – had some upset potential out there in the Kibbe Dome. Um, it, it was a, a nip and tuck game, and the Vandals survived. Uh, the Vandals now get U Albany, who looked really good um, in their game against Richmond and Albany from the Colonial. Not an easy league. So, um, you know, Idaho surviving that game and then setting up this really fascinating four or five game with the great Danes from Albany, really stood out to me. Um, I also, we, you know, you just talked about South North Dakota, excuse me, North Dakota state a little bit. Um, how about South Dakota, our three seed um, tight game against Sacramento state, Sacramento state's been a really good program now for a while, but 34, 24 winners. Uh, the coyotes keep finding a way to win. Um, you have to like, their quarterback. I mean, Aiden Bowman, 2,300 yards. He's just been, you know, he's just put that team on his shoulder because you look at the rest of their offensive performance, they're okay. But I really think he's elevated that team. He's the reason why uh, they got 10 wins this season. And then, you know, they, <clears throat> their two losses this year are Missouri, who's really good, And South Dakota State, who's really good. They beat North Dakota State earlier in the season in the Fargo Dome, 24-19. Sweeping the Bison is not easy, but the Coyotes have a chance for it. So there's a few things that stood out to me.
0: Um, All right, Josh. So we have a pretty chalky uh, third round here. Only one unseated team, and it's the most well-known FCS program, North Dakota State. (laughs) So uh, with their – pretty miraculous victory, like I talked about. So my question to you is Josh, which one of our top four seeds is most likely to get knocked off and why?
2: Ooh, I mean, it's tempting to go with the coyotes of course, cause they do have to take on the bison. Mm-hmm. Um, you Albany, looked incredible last week in Idaho, as I mentioned, needed kind of a nip and tuck game. Um, but I'm gonna go a little bit different. I'm curious about this Furman team. Ooh. This Furman team just bottled up Chattanooga all game long. They won 26 to 7. They put the suffocation on them with their defense. Montana, meanwhile, blows out Delaware 49-19. The grids. I'm curious where Yeah, but I'm curious where Delaware's headspace was knowing that they were making the jump to FBS. They were a little bit distracted. All that news was coming in. I don't know how fully prepared they were. This Furman team, if that defense is as good as they were a week ago, that could be scary for the Grizz, especially played out in Missoula. Who knows what will happen? It it wouldn't surprise any of us for two feet to be on the snow. Uh, Two feet of snow to be on the ground. So uh, I'm curious about the Paladins. Coming into this game, oh, that that might be the game I have the most confidence in. Um,
0: it, Interesting It is Montana. I love Montana in this. spot. I mean, I love I, I love, like, I, I love Montana's South Dakota State in both of these. I think it is South Dakota is on upset alert just because of. Oh, let's see how many cliches I can fit into this. The championship <laughs> DNA yeah. of North Dakota State, but uh, I mean, that, that's they're why a it's rugged the... team with a defense that travels. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but it's a real like. It's this... the...
2: That's why it's the easy
1: pick. That's why I wanted to go somewhere so, else. So Furman, I mean they, shoot, they got after it because man, they're um, Chattanooga has a really good, really good quarterback. I'm, I really like Luke Schomburg. and they held him to just eighty four yards. They picked him off. Um, yeah. I mean, it's only his third career start, but like, man, it, it, he, he he's. He's going to be something, I think, for for Chattanooga. Um, but I, I think this defense is this defense is pretty sporty. I mean, they're yeah. playing on the road, though. So Matt, you may have a point there. This might be a little bit easier Furman, to prognosticate than than we think. Furman's most points allowed this season in an
2: FCS game was twenty-eight to Kennesaw. Yeah. So I mean, this is this is a pretty good defense.
1: Yeah, I mean True. they're they're I mean they're stingy, they get after you. they seems like they're really strong in the secondary. Yeah, defense wins champions. At the
0: same time, Montana was fourth in the nation in scoring defense. So you know, Don't give uh, up I know,
1: jokes. I know,
2: but you asked you, you asked for an upset, man, and I told you I didn't want to give you the obvious one, and now you're picking me apart. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I'm
1: here to do. Um, <laughs> Montana has a twelfth right. defender, it's called two feet of snow. <laughs>
0: It does make things a little bit interesting there. All right. Um, Well, we will definitely be checking back in once they have their final four set after this weekend. We do our picks? Uh, Yeah. Josh, uh,
2: why don't you go ahead and give us your final four? All right. I'm going to go with the Jackrabbits, like we would all expect. Mm -hmm. And maybe I'm reading too much in the last week, but God, Albany looked incredible against Richmond. I'm going to take the Danes in an upset. Ooh. And then... (sighs) There's been too many cracks in the foundation for me. I'm going to take the coyotes. Okay. Can't believe I'm doing it, but I'm going to take the coyotes. And Couch. then I said Furman would be interesting, but I'm not actually picking it. I am going to take the Grizz. I just think the Furman Paladins can make that much more of a game than people are expecting. Corey?
1: I'm going Grizz, uh, even though I think Furman's going to make it a lot closer. Um, I think it's gonna be a def- it's gonna be a slug fest slog fest in the snow. There's gonna be a lot of snow <laughs> angels, but uh, on Montana's side because they're gonna be doing the majority of the scoring. Uh, so give me the Grizz. Give me I'm gonna take the vandals here at home against U Albany. I think that's a uh, Albany is as good as they've been. Uh, just I think they're gonna run out of gas when they travel across the country, take on Idaho uh South Dakota State I'll take them that seems like a pretty easy one and then i'll I'll go South Dakota as well I, I think they'll they'll advance
0: all right uh give me the jackrabbits uh give me the bison and the upset over South Dakota uh, give me Montana and give me Idaho um, I know Albany look good but uh, I like Idaho at home in the Kibby dome and I like uh <laughs> You know, I, I think, you know, maybe they needed a little bit of a tough game to wake up a little bit there. So, uh, you know, yeah, well, I like it. You know what? Give me the Vandals. I like the Vandals a lot here. I still think South Dakota State wins it all. Uh, nonetheless, though. Uh, Just
2: yeah. super quick, uh, because we do like all the levels. D2 there to their final four. Colorado School of Mines has been incredible on their side of the mm-hmm. bracket. Harden, the two seed uh, or excuse me, the one seed. Uh, survived their rival Grand Valley State 7-6 to six to make the Final Four. So that's going to be in action. And then down in the real belly of the beast, playing just for the love of the game, down in D3, their Final Four is also set. North Central Illinois, which has been just dominating this level of, of football now for a while, they are in the Final Four again. Shout but, out neighborville. But my... My rooting interest from the great state of Iowa, I'm going to be rooting for Wartburg.
0: Where in Iowa is that, Josh? Waverly, Iowa. <clears throat> I have no clue where that is. You don't know where It's Waverly, in, Waverly. It's, it's, it's it's in just,
1: Waverly. it's just it's just south <laughs> of Ames. <laughs> I mean, that's not that helpful. A lot of things are south of Ames <laughs> to, the, to the northern part of the state. <laughs> it's somewhere Love between it. Ames and Iowa City. Yeah. That's
2: <laughs> that's decently closer. Waverly is kind of kind of up by the uh, the twin cities of Cedar Falls and Waterloo, where the University of Northern Iowa is, is. Um, kind of in that west excuse me northeast quadrant of the state.
0: I ate at a Perkins in Waterloo,
2: Iowa, once.
0: Perfect. I've nice. also been
2: at Perkins in Iowa City, Iowa. I've been so at a Perkins in
0: a lot of places across this fine country, <laughs> as it is an upstanding eatery with a great name. Um, with that, uh, <laughs> that is where me? we're going to wrap. That is where we're going to wrap it up here today, <laughs> guys. Um, and so, uh, I guess until next time, uh, this is the Illegal Motion podcast on the Believe Podcast Network and MikeFerrellSports.com, presented by BetOnline.ag. Uh, so on behalf of our own uh, offensive coordinator, the coach, Corey Burton, here in Nashville, Tennessee, and our intrepid blogger for Big Ten accounting, Josh Cook, up there in Chicago, Illinois, this is Matt Perkins saying so long, and see you next time on the Illegal Motion College Football Podcast.